Chapter Nine of the Albert Gate Mystery by Louis Tracy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Nine: A Montmartre Romance. The exterior of the Cabaret Noir belied its name. Originally, no doubt, it was one of the vilest dens in a vile locality, but the fairy hand of the brewer had touched the familiar wine-shop, and it glistened to-day in much mahogany, more brass, and a dazzling collection of mirrors. Brett was surprised when the driver of their cab pulled up in front of such an ornate establishment somehow he expected the cabaret noir to be a different place not so fair home accustomed only to the glaring exterior of london tied houses here we are said his lordship cheerfully let's take them by surprise and run over the whole show before anyone can stop us no said brett this is paris and the police here have ways even more mysterious than those of scotland yard we will gain nothing by drastic measures indeed had i known the sort of place we were coming to i would have visited it to-night and in disguise as it is we have been seen already by any one interested in our movements and it would be useless to adopt any pretence so follow me he boldly entered through the main door and found himself in a light airy room filled in three-fourths of its area with little marble-topped tables surrounded by diminutive chairs whilst a bar-counter was partitioned off in a corner the attendant in charge was a dreary-eyed waiter who seemed to think that the presence of a couple of sight-seeing englishmen at such an hour was another testimony to the lunatic propensities of the anglo-saxon race he welcomed them volubly assuring them that the establishment kept the best scotch whisky in stock and guaranteed that roast beef would be ready in ten minutes this is the cabaret noir questioned brett but yes monsieur there is no other of the same name in montmartre but no monsieur a gentleman a friend of mine came here a few minutes ago in a fiacre he was small slight so high illustrating the stature by his hand he was dressed in dark blue clothes with shiny boots he was brett's eager description was cut short by the appearance of a new character through a narrow door leading into the bar came a handsome dark-eyed woman aged perhaps twenty-five well dressed shapely and carrying herself with the easy grace of a born parisienne her hair was jet black her large dark eyes were recessed beneath arched and strongly pencilled eyebrows her skin had that peculiar tint of porcelain white so often seen in women of southern blood yet there was nothing delicate in this lady's appearance or manner a rich colour suffused her cheeks and her language was remarkably free both in volume and style 
she addressed a few observations to the waiter in the common vernacular of montmartre the only translatable portion being the question why he was standing about the floor like the ears of a donkey when there was work to be done her manner changed somewhat as she addressed herself to brett and his companion there was sufficient of the landlady in her demeanour when she said and what would messieurs be pleased to command now if there was one type of femininity more than another which brett thoroughly understood it was the saucy quick-witted handsome adventuress he knew that the woman scrutinizing him so coolly came well within this category he could not tell of course in what way she might be associated with the gang whose proceedings contained the explanation of talbot's fate but he instantly resolved to adopt a determined position with the lady who half petulantly half curiously was awaiting his reply he came nearer to her i am glad he said that i have met you the woman looked him boldly in the eyes was it for the happiness of seeing me that monsieur has visited the house that might well serve as the reason but the pleasure is all the greater since it was unexpected you are pleased to be facetious she replied will you not tell me your business i have affairs to occupy me assuredly i have driven here as quickly as possible from number eleven rue barbette this attack so direct and uncompromising did not fail to have its effect a ready mask of suspicion fell across the woman's imprudent pretty face there was just a tinge of stage laughter in her tone when she cried really how interesting and where is the rubabette monsieur in what way am i concerned with number eleven did you say brett well knew how to conduct the attack upon this lady his voice fell to a determined note his eyes looked gravely into hers as he answered it is useless to pretend that you do not understand me you are losing moments worth gold perhaps diamonds within a few minutes the police will be here and then it will be too late help me first and i will let the police take care of themselves refuse me your assistance and i will leave you and your friends to the mercy of the district commissaire a dangerous light leaped into the woman's eyes at this direct challenge monsieur is pleased to speak in riddles she said this is a restaurant we can execute your orders but we are not skilled in acting charades you will find better performance in the booths out there and she swept her hands scornfully towards the boulevard with its medley of tents stalls and merry-go-rounds brett smiled you are a stupid woman he said you think you are serving your friends by adopting this tone in effect you are bringing them to the guillotine now listen if i leave you without further words you do not see me again you will know nothing of what is going on until the police have lodged you in a cell neither you nor your associates can escape i promise nothing but perhaps if you tell me what i want to know there may be a chance for you otherwise there is none shall i go 
and he turned as if to approach the door. For an instant the woman hesitated, and Brett thought that he had scored. "'Wait!' she said, lowering her voice, though there was still the menace of subdued passion in her accents. "'Who is your friend?' "'A gentleman whose identity in no way concerns you. You must deal with me, and it will be better if you ask who I am.' "'I know,' she said laconically. "'Come this way, both of you.' She raised a flap-door located at one side of the counter. Brett followed her into a passage behind the doorway that led into the bar. Fairholme succeeded him. The trio passed rapidly through a door at the end of the passage, and quickly found themselves in a long, low room, usually devoted to billiards. The place was dark and smelt evilly of stale tobacco. Daylight penetrated but feebly through the red blinds that blocked up three windows on one side. The woman drew two of these blinds, and thus illuminated the interior. The windows opened on to a yard, and the place was thoroughly shut off from all observation from the street. "'Now,' she said, "'I will show you something.' She walked towards the fireplace at the end of the room. On the mantelpiece was a square of iron sheeting, painted white and studded with curious-looking spikes and circles, triangles and straight lines. From a box close at hand she took half a dozen small glass bulbs, red and blue. She placed them in a line on some of the spikes at intervals of two inches. Then she retired to that side of the room where they had entered. The distance was perhaps thirty feet. Before Brett or Fairholme could vaguely guess her intention, she whipped a revolver out of her pocket. It would be idle to deny that they were startled, but the woman paid not the least attention to them. She steadily levelled the weapon and fired twice, smashing the two outer balls of the six. Then she transferred the pistol to her left hand and smashed another pair. Then she turned her back to the target, adjusted a small mirror attached to the butt of the revolver, and smashed both of the remaining bulbs by firing over her left shoulder. Sweeping around with a triumphant smile towards the barrister, she said, "'I can do that in fifty other ways, but six will suffice.' "'It is very clever, madame,' he said. "'May I ask why I am indebted to you for this display?' She replaced the revolver in her pocket. "'It is my answer to your question, monsieur,' she said. "'That is the way I and my friends often talk to people who annoy us, and now I shall wish you a good day. You will find other sights in Montmartre to interest you.' Brett laughed easily and bowed low. "'Believe me,' he said, "'I will find few performers so expert and, may I add, so discreet. We will meet again and perhaps test your skill.' Without another word the party returned to the front room of the restaurant, and Brett and Fairholme passed into the street where their cab was waiting. "'I suppose she meant,' said Fairholme, that if we were not jolly careful she would put a bullet through our hearts as easily as through those glass bulbs. 
such was her intention said brett dryly but women never have true dramatic genius that was a piece of melodrama which might suffice with many of her class it amused me but it was a waste of time on her part anyhow we shall not get much out of her in the way of information oh yes we will she will tell us everything she has told me a great deal already what cried his lordship did that shooting affair convey anything more to you than what i have said of course what need was there for such a trick in the first place it is very simple you or i could do it after ten minutes practice with an expanding charge and a show pistol secondly she admitted that the cabaret noir is a centre of operations for the gang in whom we are interested by the way i should like to know her name he directed the driver to wait for them at a street corner some little distance further on close to where they stood an itinerant vendor was selling some mechanical toys brett bought one the price was twenty sous he gave the man a two-franc piece and refused the change do you know he said who is the proprietor of the cabaret noir certainly monsieur replied the gutter merchant it is Grand Jean. his name is Bouquet. ah and the lady who lives there a dark pretty woman with white skin who is she that is his daughter said the man she is known as la belle chasseuse why such a name because she is clever with firearms she used to be in a circus but she left the profession a year ago and does she live here constantly i cannot say i think she goes away a great deal she was travelling recently she came back let me see last tuesday night thank you said brett the two re-entered their cab and brett told the driver to proceed as rapidly as possible to rue st honore i hope to goodness he said to fairholme that captain gautier has not left paris already these foreign office messengers are liable to be despatched to the other end of the earth at a moment's notice why do you wish to see him said fairholme simply to obtain definite information of my theory la belle chasseuse was the woman who accompanied the man made up to look like jack talbot during his journey from london if gautier can see her and assure me that i am right i will be convinced concerning that which i already know to be true by jove cried fairholme that never occurred to me i wonder if it is so mademoiselle beaucaire is quite an adept in two things she can break tiny glass bulbs and she can flirt she chose to exhibit the first of these accomplishments to us and convey what was intended to be a warning in reality she gave us some valuable information i suppose said fairholme that this crowd will watch us pretty closely won't they brett leaned back in the cap and laughed heartily we are the most interesting persons in paris to them at this moment he said that poor fellow who sold us the toys will have to change his position i'm afraid one of them is following us now let's see who it is 
at the next street corner he stopped the cab suddenly and jumped out followed by fairholm a minute later another vehicle dashed into the street in it was seated a lady closely veiled but a large feather hat and the grotesque pattern of a black veil could not wholly conceal the pretty determined face of la belle chasseuse evidently she had no one at hand to undertake the mission so she followed brett in person he signalled to her and to her driver astonished the man pulled up brett instantly advanced and took off his hat with that pleasant smile of his which usually went straight to the female heart but which now thoroughly lost its effect on the furious young woman who looked at him from the interior of her voiture allow me he said to offer my friendly services it is a close day and mademoiselle has i am sure many other calls on her time i will save you at least an hour and myself nearly the same period i am going to secure the presence of a witness to identify you as the lady who crossed the channel last tuesday in company with a gentleman you both drove to the grand hotel and your companion signed the register there in the name of mr and mrs talbot is it not so she bent forward and looked at him viciously her eyes sparkled with annoyance at being caught so easily in her self-imposed piece of espionage monsieur is clever she snapped thank you he replied still smiling i can occasionally hit the mark with a guess as well as mademoiselle can with her pistol but believe me i only intend at this moment to be polite of course the presence of a witness to identify you is unnecessary mademoiselle can now return to the cabaret noir whilst my friend and i will proceed directly to the grand hotel it saves so much trouble does it not for a moment the woman looked as though she would have liked to produce that infallible revolver and shoot him on the spot then she angrily commanded her driver to return fairholm surveyed the scene with open-eyed amazement well he said that beats everything you really have a splendid nerve the whole business reads like a chapter out of one of gaboriau's novels that is the way people live in paris my dear fellow life is an artificial matter here but all this excitement has made me hungry let us have dejeuner End of chapter nine